Yo, what's up? It's your girl, Father Long Legs. You know me, Daddy T. Welcome to the year-end clip show of 2022. I just edited a half of it and had to redo this, so forgive me for being curt. But I think with the retrograde about to come around, it's totally fitting. So um, I think 2023 is going to be a year where it's like, you're going to fail and try again, and then you'll get it. Don't worry. Okay, that made no sense to any of you guys because you didn't hear my original intro, but trust it was good. Um, but I'm going to try to recreate the magic. Just want to wish everyone out there happy holidays, all the confidants, um, whether you celebrate Christmas, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, solstice, all, any what or nothing. Celebrate doing nothing. Celebrate your freedom, your independence, whatever. I hope you have happy everything. Today is Christmas here. I'm holding my little doggy, wearing the pajamas Santa gave him, having a good time. Um, if you guys don't know, my dog's name is Wushu, and I'm going to just shamelessly plug his Instagram because it's real cute, at Mr. underscore Wushu underscore. Uh, speaking of, you can follow this podcast at Real Father Longlegs. Okay, I'm not going to plug. I'm going to get into it. But first, before we get into the clips, I know you're all waiting for the clips. <laughs> you know, real fun to listen to on your drive back home or back to your home home, whatever. Um... But if you are in the Bay Area, okay, if you're listening to this before New Year's, I am opening for Greg Proops. Yep, I'm so excited. The Greg Proops from Who's On Is Anyways, Smartest Man in the World podcast. I'm going to be doing five shows with him. I'm so grateful for him to, for asking me. Uh, honestly, it was really cool to meet him during the pandemic on Zoom. This is going to be the first time we meet in person, so I'm very stoked. Um, I'm still, you know, not jaded from comedy and celebrate wins, okay? So I'm celebrating the win. December 29th. I have one show with him at the San Francisco Punchline. All these shows are at the San Francisco Punchline. December 30th, two shows. December 31st, two shows. The second show on the 31st will be a countdown show. We're going to count down to the new year. Join us. It's going to be fun. Never done a comedy show on New Year's Eve in public. Okay, I did a Zoom one, you know. Shout out to anyone who got the album. We're still doing this. For some reason, Spotify is half glitching. So if you can't find it, just email me. I'll send it to you. Um... But uh, very excited. So to get tickets to that, San Francisco Punchline, look that up. Greg Proops, New Year's Eve. I can't wait. It's going to be real fun. You can meet my hot boyfriend. He's coming. As always, you can always find my updated shows, TeresaLeeComedy.com slash shows. I've got some fun ones in the new year, including Genre Cram, January 14th at UCB. Franklin, you guys mark the day. Um, come to it. The Eventbrite link is already up. I believe it's only $5.00 so cheap what a steal get your ticket now okay don't make me nervous um the whole show is going to be written rehearsed produced and performed all within 24 hours and i mean that because i've got a bunch of the best writers and comedians performers i know including a lot of former guests jamie loftus babs gray tess barker james the third it's gonna be so fun we are um literally going to meet friday night right overnight present the sketches to the actors i have directors ready to go it's gonna rehearse direct produce and by saturday night you'll see a full show i cannot promise it's gonna be a polished show but i can promise it's gonna be real fun and funny we've got writers who've written on snl uh late night with jimmy fallon jimmy kimmel like all you know the the comedy things and it's probably a bunch of them have won emmys i don't know i don't keep track of my friends emmys but we're gonna have a good time Come to that at UCB on January 14th. And I will announce more of this, this in the new year, but mark the date, February 17th. I am starting a show in Los Angeles. I know, long awaited, finally coming back. Teresa is producing, hosting shows again. You can come see me regularly in LA. Um, I will release more details in a formal announcement in the new year, but it's going to be in Glendale. February 17th will be the first one. It's going to be real fun. It's going to be a free show, okay? We're going to have it at a really cool venue i'm very excited for this um it's real it's not it's it's a real unconventional venue that i regularly go to so i'm very excited for this you don't have to be 21 up just mark the date check out my website as i post more updates and finally if you haven't seen get loved yet i'm gonna plug it okay i directed a short film Honestly, on the other side of this, I'm so proud of myself and everyone who supported me because honestly, at the first beginning, I was like, I'm going to direct. I was like, am I? Am I? This is hard. Vanessa Gonzalez is phenomenal in this. She plays the lead character, Gray. A bunch of former guests are in it. Megan Gailey, Ellington Wells, Isabel Beattie, Mel Owen, Zach Broussard. It's vimeo.com slash Teresa Lee slash get loved 
or search Get Love Teresa Lee on YouTube. It'll also pop up or go to my website. It's also linked on my website. If you have a moment and you have a Vimeo account, I would love if you want to comment, rate it. It helps the algorithm. It helps make me look cool. It helps me feel good. Um, and you know what? Let's connect. It's fun. Um, yeah, so that's it for the announcements. I'm excited for this clip show. Enjoy. You can tell her. You can tell her. Uh, this first clip is from Rima Don. I love this episode. Um, it's kind of a silly one at first that sounds like silly, but actually I really like this because this to me is the spirit of the pod is being able to people being able to tell their truths, um, no judgment, no shame, and just have a space to process uh, complicated stories and emotions and feelings as a comedian. That's what we do. Um, so of course, you know, like we touch on things like self-image, eating disorder, things like that. But I really enjoy that we're able to just talk and have this nuanced conversation about sort of like the journey and how like Reem thought and felt growing up and kind of just through her perspective um, instead of coming from like a needing to problem solve or fix because I do think it's important for people to, you know, if you have image issues, figure that out on your own. But this pod is more of a place to just have space to see different points of views and understand how we're always changing and growing and capable of shifting perspectives um so i i yeah this was such a cool like story because well reem is very honest and open in it and um i think that image and eating disorders and you know body image issues are very real and serious and you know important uh but the, another side of comedy is being able to share some darker past stuff while also making light of the fun parts and I think that we found a really fun story here that doesn't mean the entire you know experience of growing up being scared to eat too much or being you know having her parents call her fat or anything like it doesn't mean that that's not something she needs to deal with but I I like that we're able to find the fun in this silly moment when she puts Jolly Ranchers in the oven um, and it's very relatable to just just like kids wanting to get away with stuff and going to the extreme lengths to get that. Enjoy this clip with Rima Dawn. Yeah and also you feel like you're like in control right because as a kid it's always to them telling you what to do and like them giving you what's for dinner and stuff but like when you can just take it it's kind of like you're independent in a sense. Um, yes yeah, so I remember like they brought home like Turkish delights and I was like can I have more than one and they're like no you have to limit yourself come on like your brother and sister are fine you need to limit yourself and I was like Aww. fine so what I did was I uh would go downstairs at night when everybody was asleep and I would steal the Turkish delight box and usually they would buy more than one so I would take like the bottom one um and I would hide it in the bathroom like underneath all the towel like in the drawer I hit it like right <laughs> and then whenever like like whenever they were awake and I wanted to eat some I would just pretend that I had to take a massive shit and just like sit there in the bathroom and like cough when I was like ripping the plastic like oh my and then just like God. So just like eat it it was really yeah low low point but also never noticed you, you went bold and were like let's take the whole box they won't notice take the whole box yep never oh. got caught never got caught yep wow that was yeah but I will tell you the one time it came to bite me in the ass. The one time where um, I had some divine interference was, uh, so I moved away to the Middle East for four years because um, my dad, he was a professor and they wanted to give us like an experience of like living outside the United States and whatnot, connect with mm -hmm. our culture, um, be closer to the snacks that I was eating in America. So, um, but I remember like by like year two or three, like, or even by year one, you start to miss like a lot of the snacks that they have in the United States. Mm. Um, and uh like where were you in the middle east i was in bahrain which is like an island kind of by saudi arabia um and i remember like i missed jolly ranchers so much and so every year we'd go back to these states to the states for summer and we'd get like we'd load up on candy just go to walmart and get like every kind of american candy that they don't have in the middle east mm -hmm. and one year i got like a bag of jolly ranchers um and it was like the, the gooey delicious ones um and i had a friend or a family friend and she would like break into my stash I mean, it wasn't my stash. It was the family's, but uh -huh. mine. Um, and she would like help herself to Jolly Ranchers. And I was like, you don't understand. Like, 
supply and demand. The supply is very low for those. And I demand that you put that shit down. Um, and so it happened enough times where I found out she was coming over and I was like, don't fuck this. So I got the Jolly Ranchers and I, this girl, like she would break in and, and look for things too. Like she was help herself. The <laughs> That's what you in my room. Yeah. So I, because I'm so good at lying about hiding and stealing and food and like I know all the tricks right I've done bathrooms I've uh-huh. done sofas I've done like closets I've done everything so I was like what will be the smartest place that she will never look and I was like inside the oven oh my god she will never fucking look inside of an oven if there's not brownies baking in it oh, so no. you know what I'm, I'm gonna hide it so like I, I did I like middle of the night went there, or I, not even middle of the night before she got there I like grabbed the dollar ranchers hid them in the oven grabbed the entire stash of American candy oh and hid my them god up. And she comes over and she's like, do you guys have anything? I said, no. Um, <laughs> and then <laughs> later, we started smelling smoke. Oh my God. Um, like a very distinct uh. scent of smoke. And it turns out my mom had um, turned on the oven to preheat it oh my God. and didn't know that I had hit all that shit in there. And so it just became like a candy fire. A candy fire is intense. Let me tell you that. Um, yeah. And I, I think mean, all those ruined the oven. <laughs> it ruined the oven? Yeah, yeah, because artificial bullshit, and it was just like it was like a coat of glass. It was very intense and plastic uh, too, right? Because like the yeah, the plastic was burning. They're like, don't inhale. Did she like immediately know it was you? I don't remember. I don't think. I, I think it was so burned that it was like we, not. That wasn't even the point anymore. And it was yeah, like, yeah, going through these lengths to hide Jolly Ranchers and like. We probably shouldn't say anything. Like yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, it was the fish. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, yeah. Because when you said you like stole food, I was like, oh, you probably like sneaking in the snack closet. But you had like hiding spots. You had like a Marauder's map of where all. (laughs) (laughs) I was devious, dude. Like this was a. This explained. My parents were like, we don't understand how she's still gaining weight. (laughs) It's because I had a, I had a plan. I was going to night school for that. But I guess it's well. I mean, I'm, I'm inferring a lot, which it may not be totally true. But it sounds like you, um, you had like very like, in in a nice way, like a a naivete of a child who was like, I want this and it makes me happy, and it could have. I'm sure there's emotional, you know, stress when your parents are looking at your weight, but um, it sounds like yeah. there was like a, like, it could have been a lot worse in you, like, internalizing it and making, like, trying to fit into their regards. And there's something really sure. beautiful about how you were like, in spite of what you guys want, I'm going to find a way to be happy. And like, hearing the story, it's like, I love that. You're, like, finding like yeah. joy in the bathroom. And it's like, I don't know, that, that, that makes me like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. Enjoy the bathroom. yeah you know what I thank you for looking at it that way so basically what you're saying is I was an entrepreneur okay next clip coming up Damon Sumner uh, moving right along I want to say that these clips are not ranked or in really any order except for an order that I felt made sense uh, does that make sense I hope so all the episodes all the guests are all great these are just 10 clips I picked from 2022 that I think represent the pod and the ear and have a healthy variety of different stories and guests and it's a cool sampler play if you miss any episodes and you're like oh I want to go check that out or you know it's your first time or you just want a nice little review okay <sighs> so egalitarian but at the same time I'm also like the most judgy person in the world so I'm all for equality until it's like I want to get in the club um this clip is a lot of fun because uh it kind of speaks to me a lot about the experience growing up as siblings and how our memory changes depending on what roles we took on as kids Damon talks about how when he was younger, he had to take care of his little brother because his, um, his, his mom was working and in school. And when a very important moment for her was when she graduated beauty school and her friends got her a black beauty school doll. And it was like a very important moment because there weren't a lot of black women in her beauty school. And he talks about how he and his brother broke it and tried to hide it. And um, I just really love the conversation that follows over we he realizes that his brother had a different memory of it and our theories onto why that is. I related to it as someone who grew up with siblings, has siblings, have had, still has a twin that, you know, every day 
we're learning something new. I really related to this, so please enjoy this clip with Damon Sumner. It went it went from being Beyonce to Michelle, and so we have oh, to put it in the back a little bit. You understand? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm glad you didn't say Solange because we don't we respect okay we respect Solange we don't she's not a punchline but um that is very funny I hundred percent think your your mom knows either that because there's only two options very right? well I mean there's the option where she's like just like she knows it was you guys which is like very sweet but but between the option of her knowing and not knowing it's either she if she doesn't know that would mean it didn't matter to her at all. Mm. means that that wasn't that important so because <laughs> you know she didn't look at it one single time this whole time yeah. like, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, like show anyone so that's why i feel like you're off the hook because she definitely either knows or didn't care that much about it i cared more about you but it was <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean like there's yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that's true. i am actually want to get in the mind of you as a 12 year old like because must have been like killing you or did you feel like we did this together we're in it together swear not to tell mm. and and then that was it or did you like walk by it and look and then were you ever like Ooh, like or did you hint or did you like you know were you scared your brothers would say something yeah yeah all, all of the above right so my brothers and i especially at that time very close and you know i really took being the oldest um out of necessity and because it just kind of how the, the our house was i took being the oldest brother very seriously so when it broke i had this floor responsibility of creating the plan my brothers again were just like what are we going to do we understood that the of what this represented in a sense of like this was a big moment for her to get this in yada 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 right but if i'm being honest as a, if i'm thinking back to being 12 i i wasn't necessarily so much worried that my brothers were going to crack I was just worried that my mom was going to feel like I let her down because she was at home. She was gone working hard for us. Right. We're wrestling. She wasn't a huge fan of us wrestling. And then we broke something and tried to cover it up. So it was all of that in my 12 year old body was going through puberty wow. for like because You were taking month. on that responsibility. And there is that element of like children. I mean, that story is like very relatable and that children always make mistakes not always but sure. we all have a moment where we make yes. mistakes and that's part of growing up and even if you know you did get upset or your mom did get upset that is like even i can you know point to countless times when i did do something wrong my mom got mad and we went through that so mm -hmm. it's it but then on top of that there's a layer that you were also acting like as a parent in that situation so you had to both be the child like messing up learning the lesson very fast and then be yeah. the parent and like kind of like forgiving yourself and then just doing what needed to be done to not cause a fight, which is like, wow, that's like very mature. Oh, I, I yeah, I had to grow up very quick. Um, you know what I mean? Like I, I walked myself to school in kindergarten. Like it was a whole, it was just a life that I lived and the life we had to live for my mom to, you know, to hold it down for us. So yeah, there is an element of kind of playing both sides of that street there. But, you know, when I bring it up, you know, what's interesting is, I'm gonna go to a tangent. We can go there and yeah, not go there. Sure. But I, I, I always am fascinated about memories. Memories really intrigue me because we have memories where it really matters to us. Yeah. And there were other people there in that moment that if you either bring it up, it definitely doesn't have the same impact or they might not even remember it. And this is a moment I've brought up to my brothers and they're like, yeah, no, I, don't know. I don't know what you're talking about, big guy. <laughs> And I'm like, what? I was in shambles internally for 60 days and you don't remember? I'm intrigued if you can think on the time, put you on the spot, if there's a memory you can think of that kind of fits that mold. Definitely. I've had, yeah, I um, I will bring up, well, okay. This is where I'm like, just so for back back context, the Please. sister thing, because I talked about last pod was like, I have a twin and, and mm. she's also like trying to get out there and do music and stuff. And Love it. recently was telling me that she didn't want me to talk about her much but i hopefully if she hears us this is okay because childhood i feel like there's no way around like we were twins there's no mm. way around these stories that had happened but i want to respect as an adult now present her i'm not i'm trying to like let her control who she is to the public um if i'm wrong whatever i think i'm a, i mean i'll take the consequences i have to preface it because i just made a whole speech about how i'm not gonna talk sure about sure sure but it's also very strange to be like do you have any childhood stories and i'd be like not a single one where my twins are involved <laughs> because we were literally twins but yeah that that is a thing that happened once like um, a couple of times there are stories like that but one that i remember bringing up to her was 
one time, um, my, or my family, we were very little, like maybe like four or five, like so young, like, but not, Mm. we were very, barely aware of like, even, you know, when you're a kid and you just run around naked, kind of, we're just Mm. at the age where you're like clothed, but you're not ashamed. And I say that because then in this, we had this party, like family friends and one of our other family friends who was like two years older came by early and we were all like, we used to like shower together and sleepovers, whatever, like kids. But it was yeah. just at that age where I think they, he was like a boy, so very like kind of like playful, like naughty, mm. but not like not not ill intentioned. But he thought it'd be funny yeah, to yeah. like bring bring a whole Congo line upstairs and open the door while my sister was sh- like my mom was like sh- bathing her, <clears throat> and my mom got very upset. And I thought it was funny to lead them up, but I didn't know mm. why. Like he he thought it was funny because I think he was at the age where it's like ha 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 shower naked, and I yeah. was like ooh like. Uh, let me take you upstairs because I want to like be the leader to lead this thing. And yeah. I remember feeling a lot of shame and embarrassment. My mom like mm. got very upset, and then of course immediately I think he knew why. So like she was like everyone out, and he went down, and he was like very like. Rah, rah. But then I was like didn't really understand, and I felt bad, and I felt mm. bad that I made my sister feel bad and my mom feel bad. Yeah. And I brought that up as an adult, like 2020, like I was going through memories that, and during the pandemic, like she didn't remember that. But I don't know. It's wild because. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, oh, my God, it was a core memory for me. Yeah. Because it involved the moment where, like, I felt I betrayed her. And also Mm -hmm. that, like, my mom. And I did look back and I was like, I did do something wrong. But if I wouldn't have learned that line, like, I'm glad I learned that line. Right. Right. You know, like, it was kind of safe to learn it there. But yeah, it's like I did touch the hot stove and I remembered it. But and they, um, your sister my, did not, or your mom did not. You know, my my sister did not. Um, wow. I have to ask my mom again. I don't know if she remembers mm. it the way I did because I'm sure she was just like, I don't think it was that serious because we were all children. But I think she sure. wanted me to know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. the thing that she's learning now, like this, right. is, you know. But it and maybe like I hadn't seen my mom be angry that much, you know, like because I hadn't made those kinds of mistakes yet. But I have a hypothesis why your brothers don't remember us because. Please. To you, you saved them, not save them, but you, you did the um, calculations of making it not traumatic for them because mm. you made them feel safe. You, when they were crying, and that's a healthy emotion to have is crying. Yeah. Like, yeah. feeling feelings and crying is not bad. And they're actually Period. good if you have them in the moment, but they become traumatic if you're like having to hold on to them. Mm-hmm. And you, in some way, had to hold on to a little bit of it. And then you were the one that led them to problem solve, but you didn't really know if it would be okay. But I think in that moment, your brothers trusted you and then it was okay. And so they kept trusting you. And so maybe it all processed as just like, we trusted mm. each other and he led us. To, and so like, in some ways it was, you succeeded in the moment, given what happened, you know? I don't know, have you ever looked at it that way? It's like, obviously, <laughs> you wanna be like, I, I made not. a mistake, but like, what do you do after the mistake? Did you handle yeah, it yeah. The, the right way? And it sounds like you did it in the most optimal way where there was the least mm. amount of psychological damage to your brothers. This is a good thought. These are, I need to pay you for that session. <laughs> uh, on the floor, hit that drum. Beat so hard, make your face go numb. Taste so good, better give me some. Making you pop like bubble gum. Okay, moving right along this next clip, Ali Vingiano. I had so much fun. She was one of the first people I met coming to LA. I can't believe it took this long to get on the pod, um, but she's crushing it. So it's kind of cool that we did wait. Sometimes there's a reason you wait because now she's writing for this Emmy-nominated show, um, the morning show, winning show. I don't know. I really don't. I, like I said, I don't keep track of my friends' Emmys, but um, <laughs> that sounds like a brag, but it's really not. <laughs> Oh God, what have I become? Um, Don't worry, I am still very much driving Uber. Um, I like this clip because we talk about, you know, the heart of the the confession, which is a real funny one. You know, she said her therapist was so hot that she had to quit him. But we get into sort of the core after having a lot of fun um, to why maybe this became such a big thing in that part of her life. Uh, and it's also just a very funny clip. She's just so delightful, so funny. And I always have so much fun with Allie. Enjoy this clip with Allie Vingiano. 
different. Do you have daddy issues? Or would you say that? I mean, I, like, I not joke, not like, more, we don't have to get into it, but more oh, jokingly, no, no, no. like, is that a thing you feel like you fall in that category? Uh, no, I really have an amazing relationship with my dad, and I think he's, like, an incredible human being, and I think I probably have more mommy issues. Okay, same. A lot of codependency with Yeah, interesting. So it's almost, okay, because so sometimes you get that with, like, the therapist standing in as a parent, so that's why I asked. But, um... Yeah, wow. I don't know what I would do. Now I'm thinking about this. I'm like, you got to write a show about it. But I'm like, ethically, don't. But good story. And it did happen to you. Um, but yeah. so what did you tell him? So he was like, do you feel like, why is it an issue that we could be friends? Like, why do you not but feel did comfortable? He know? He said I could think be- he must know that I'm like, you're hot. And like, because like, there's also just the like, natural chemistry that two people sure you feel it yeah and I was yeah and so I think that um he he was like why would it be an issue if we were friends and I was like I don't really know it's just not the normal issue that it's not the normal relationship I would have Mm. with a therapist I wouldn't want to you know he's like do you have a hard time opening up to your friends and I was like actually yeah I'm pretty hard to get to know sometimes and I think that then we just like started talking about therapy gotcha see this is why I have podcasts to better open up to my friends (laughs) there you go there you go (laughs) like Um, then I had a session with him, which was all about my relationship with mm. my, um, cause I was getting married soon and I was like, we're getting married and marriage mm. is scary. And he like talked me in, he like totally calmed my nerves. He Aww. made me feel so confident in my relationship. And like, um, I was like, this can work. I can still go to him. Like I can tell him everything. And meanwhile, like my now husband, like I'm, t- I'm coming home from therapy being like, my therapist is so hot. I don't know what I'm <laughs> going to do. Like, he knows all of this. Um, uh-huh. so, so after that session, I was like, this can work. It can be good. And then right before I left for Italy, I went to my dermatologist in Beverly Hills. And I had a little time be- between then and therapy. And I went to... Um, and other stories. This is like actually the one okay. time I bought new clothes this year. And I bought like a really cute outfit. And then I was like, I'm just going to wear this to therapy ah. instead of what I wore. And it was literally just like a little, oh like tiny little shirt that like tied like this, like high waisted <laughs> pants. And I was like, I'm showing up like a fucking slut to therapy. I need, I can't do this That's anymore. So gone, gone girl, gone girl. You better learn how to face this. She's gone. Okay, that was Ali Vingiano. Um, I will say I am at home and it is Christmas. So if you hear piano in the back, that's my sister. And every once in a while she does a vocal exercise. exercise. And you might not be able to hear it, but I do love that as the ambient noise behind me. Um, why am I recording this on Christmas? Because we're all waiting for my mom to wake up and get ready so um, we can open presents. Okay, and you know, I'm a workaholic. Not really, but yes, for sure. This is my ideal family vacation is hanging out and then going away to do my pod. I'm just kidding. I spend time with my family. It's early in the morning. All right. This, <laughs> this next clip with Bianca Cristoval. Um, so funny. I honestly, I saw her just for last audition. She crushed it. And then after that, she did that set on uh, Netflix is a joke um, festival and got a late night set. And she's just so fucking funny. Um, so I'm so glad we got to have her on. This clip, she talks about her impression growing up in Czech Republic, about America's legal system, and I just, it's fun. Listen to it. All right, enjoy. Like, people yeah. are upset that he fired her uh, doula right now. I'm like, she can fire whoever she wants to fire. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If she oh doesn't want to have a person in her house, she doesn't need to. Like, why are you upset about it? I have not even, like, heard that, but that doesn't surprise me, like, that that some would be reported at all. That's the level. That's what I'm saying. That's the level of yeah. stupidity. Like. Well, yeah, because it was interesting, like, the, I mean, I didn't really read too much about it, but I had watched Ali Wong's last special, and I love her, and I still love her, and she's a great comic, mm-hmm. and this has nothing to do with that. But because she talks so much about her marriage, and then when it came out that she was getting yeah. divorced, I was like, oh. But then also, like, I think about all the, like, male comedians who are on like third whatever fourth marriages or whatever and even like John Mulaney who's very public divorce I don't connect like when I think of him I remember that as like an aside but it's not the first thing I think of whereas I don't and I'm sure he talked about marriage too but for some reason with Ali Wong like in my mind it's so connected to her material and I think that's 
my bias. Like, I don't think it's actually. Yeah, because talks, unfortunately, yeah. we're raised in the same freaking system. Yeah. It's you know, so as, weird. That is kind of thing. But it's so true. And it's interesting that you, you brought it up because, like, people are upset because she was talking about she wants to cheat on her husband. And, so, and then people are like, oh my gosh, you probably did it. Ah, I'm like, who doesn't want to cheat on their husband? Just <laughs> shut up. Plus, if she did it, like none of like whether she said it or not would have no, no effect on if she did it. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, like if she was exactly. gonna do it and be a bad bad wife, she was gonna do that. So like that has nothing to do with her material. Like it's just no. yeah. I don't know when men like go on stage and like shit on their wives. It would be like oh she's so annoying. It's like mm-hmm. is that better? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> but um yeah wow okay. I feel like <laughs> I have like I love this story because I feel like it's gonna become knowing that you're on your rise like it's gonna be folded into like a dramatic portrayal but I'm curious how, have you like like you're talking about like playing your part are you into like court like you know uh, what is it the law and order so like do you watch that stuff or this is <laughs> like wh- where was this excitement always been fa- okay so you know as a foreigner I've always been fascinated by uh, the legal system in America. The idea that you can sue anyone at any time. That doesn't, fu- that doesn't fly in other countries. You just don't do it. You don't have that mentality. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's very interesting to me that um, you can do stuff like that. And I remember the first time I got familiar with this was when I was uh, 17. I lived in Denmark and I went to this kind of like something, college, high school, something in between. And I met this girl. She was from America. Shout out to Allison. And she was able to afford it because when she was a little girl, I guess she lost a finger oh. in some bike. And then I guess her mom sued the company and then she had a bunch of money. And so with the money, she was doing cool stuff. But I remember thinking like, oh my God, if I lost my finger as a five-year-old, I would just be a poor 17-year-old without a finger. Like there's a no way that I would be able to get any money from the company that, you know, sold my mom the, the bike. It's just like, no so it's just like really cool in some ways really cool that you can you know um that is such a like I love hearing it from your perspective because I have such a sour view of the legal system because of um yeah I mean not to say people abuse it for sure remember no no, no, but but it's designed that you can if you want and you have enough like ambition even if you don't have the money like there are ways to win but it is harder obviously but like I I like I like that perspective of like like in other countries, it's a non-starter. You can't even begin to yeah. find the uh, what compensation. And she don't wanna be anybody else. She's a woman in total control of herself. It's such a wonder to be under her spell. What a woman in total control of herself. Okay, we are almost halfway. This is the fifth clip. This comes from the episode with Drew Spears. Um, love Drew so much. Uh, if you guys have not, if you need production needs in LA, DrewSpearsProductions.com. Um, he did not pay me to say that. In fact, I paid him uh, because Drew Spears was such a godsend during my short film funding. Um, he started a production company of his own, and you know we kind of talk about that on the full episode. And he did it during the pandemic, which is wild. Not because of the pandemic. He already had plans to do it. And um, he's doing really well. And he's been – they actually expanded to a new, a bigger event, a studio. Um, and, yeah, I really admire him for starting his own business. And he came out of the UCB system. So funny. Great improviser and writer, filmmaker, and very inspiring. Um, so I had fun talking to him about his – secret interest sending wrestler nudes to his friends um fake nudes i should say they're fake nudes if you haven't heard the episode it's really stupid and funny like stupid in a good way um so definitely check it out but in this clip we're actually talking about how improv helps communication and sort of like crystallizing my my ever-changing attitude towards therapy because i'm always of the attitude that you should get help seek help do what you can to ask a lot of questions that lead to more answers or questions, right? Never stop growing and changing and learning if you have the capacity to. That being said, I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all. And um, we really get into it a little bit here. And I really do think the trend of wellness and self-care and mental health and therapy has gone a bit off into the like sort of exploitive capitalism extremes at times, especially during the pandemic. So we kind of talk about that here. And I think it's a nuanced you know, conversation because – Getting help is better than not getting help. 
but I do I do really enjoy this clip for that reason. I think it differs from how I used to view therapy when I started this pod, um, but it doesn't to me feel like that opinion was wrong or this opinion is right. It's just a growing, changing attitude that shows that this is a living, breathing thing that we are always working on ourselves. Enjoy this clip. Can and want, mm-hmm. but there's no one right way. Uh, but really, we've reached this weird pinnacle where like social media is like pushing like almost enough because it's profitable for pharmaceuticals, whatever, yes. like ADHD meds, therapy, all this. And I, uh, it's weird because it's, it's gone to a point of like, if you do this, you'll be good. But it's like actually maybe fixing the problem in the root of the problem, in addition to like finding new ways to address the mm-hmm. issue is better than just going, we found that we found the cure. Or just, just like, like <laughs> learning about like way more heady, like therapeutic mm-hmm. processes through like, Instagram or TikTok reels and stuff yeah. like that. And it's just like, I think for certain people, like it just kind of teaches you how to be a better manipulator. Like, I don't want to be yeah, like, I think those people should still be in therapy and stuff, but it's just like, oh yeah, okay, good. You know, the language of, you know, therapy uh, and stuff like that. And like, you know, or just like people who are just like, well, my therapist say I don't need to be around toxic people. <laughs> Ergo, you're a toxic person. Ergo, like you're bad. And it's just like that's oh yeah, the action. weaponized sort of self care where yeah. people are like, yeah, I'm setting boundaries or I don't tolerate this. But you're like, you are actually being a narcissist or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's very... just like this is your kind of new religion. This is your uh-huh. thing that you're gonna put things something through that's gonna. And it's not just therapy. Everyone does this with everything, you know, where it's just like you, you find the frame of your life that you can mm. kind of justify behaviors and justify like your point of view. And then but it is just particularly, I think, noxious with uh, therapeutic language because it's such a like a um, have you uh, it's, it's misplayed. Well, you, it's interesting because you're talking about like relating it back to starting your own company it's like we're all kind of looking to be a god of something right like uh, control some era and like therapy is supposed to give you the power to be in control of your mind and thoughts but you can it can backfire when you're like i'm in control of your thoughts versus like you know i think there that's why finding something that you care about to do in your life outside of just therapy like oh you're doing your production studio and that's giving you purpose I think therapy is a side thing to like help yeah. maintain, but it's not like this is my life, yeah. you know. And also just like finding avenues where like you're putting yourself in positions where you need to help other people or yeah. be of service or like yeah, just putting yourself in situations where you are not God. Yes, and where you learn like from others. Humbling yeah. yourself and it's or just like, you know, um, you know, I, I've been sober for like nearly four years and I, I've done stuff around that. Yeah. Um, and you know, that, you know, allows you to like kind of take inventory of your life mm-hmm. and stuff like that and like be like, okay, like how am I, you know, how am I fucking up? And also like, how can I cease to fuck up? You know, as opposed to just being like, how can I narrativize fucking up and being like, this is the story of my life. And it's like, it's like, hmm. so I think like therapy without like the tools of changing behavior eventually becomes just rather masturbatory. Yeah. Can you feel the beat within my heart? Can't you see my love shine through the dark? Can't you see that you must be a part of that beat in my heart? Okay, we're definitely past the halfway point. This next number six clip. Uh, 2022 is actually, I cheated because there's two guests on it, but it's one episode. It's Sammy Obeyed and Dawood Naimir, and we did this at St. Paul NACA. First time getting to perform live at NACA. It was really cool. It was very cold. Shout out to Confidant. I guess I won't say your name because I'm not sure if you <laughs> want me to, but one of the number one confidants lives right there. We didn't get to meet up, but it's really cool to like, to have this podcast and be able to connect and like connect people to places like that. So hopefully I'll be able to visit again when it's warmer and we can all hang. Um, this clip we talk about, this is during Sammy's confession. Dawood had already done his confession, but we're both on the mic. It's a lot of fun. We talk about sort of the idea of viewing SAT scores um, as a sign of value and how deep that goes even into adulthood 
And I, I really appreciate not just Sammy's confession, but the way we all interact, like Dawood talking about his experience growing up and like being like, yeah, I, I got left behind or whatever. But look, we're all here in the same place doing that the podcast at the same time. And it kind of gives a little perspective of like there is no one way to go. And as you grow older and learn that like adults tell you one thing, they just want the best for you. But that's not always there's no like secret path to like having it all. So enjoy this clip with Sammy and Dawood. This is a confession that I never, I never thought I would actually tell wow. publicly. But I, you know, I went to UC Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Um, I got in for reasons like high grades and SAT scores. Uh, mm-hmm. I, high grades were easy for me because I was a good student. But SATs, I was horrible at. Oh, okay. I don't like, I don't like when people give me a time constraint and mm. I have to work under the pressure. So my SAT scores were not great the first times I took them. You have to take back in the day. You had to take SAT twos and SAT ones. Yes, I remember that. So my SAT two. You still remember your SAT scores? Is what I'm gathering by this, right? Yeah. I don't actually oh, no. don't remember what they <laughs> were. How convenient! I sort of, yeah, I yeah. sort of SAT, kind of have a rough idea of my. I never took there, it. There's yeah. definitely like for SAT twos at least. There's like a realm of acceptable. Yeah. And I was just horrible at all the reading writing stuff. I was good okay. at the math stuff. The math stuff was yeah. easy. Yeah. But the reading writing stuff fucking killed me. And for the SAT twos. Um, you're supposed to do it like section by section. You do, all right, now you do the physics, now you do the math, and now uh-huh. you do the English, whatever. I finished um, the math early and Ooh. and started doing <sighs> the other parts Whoa. so that I would have extra time. So you so cheated. I, devoted, you cheated. I cheated. I gave an extra 30 minutes to reading wow. and writing by finishing the math first. Wow, wow, wow. Wild. Yeah. And that's that's not allowed. Oh. So. Oh, and, my goodness. And, yeah, if I, hadn't got, if I hadn't done that, my score would have been 500 points lower. Yeah. Were you wearing wow. clothes? <laughs> I was I was naked inside. We're good okay, timing, you know though. what I mean. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I was naked in inside. Emotionally naked. Yeah, so I, you know I definitely cheated, and that's that's how I got into Berkeley. So I cheated my way into. That Berkeley. is definitely the only reason you got into Berkeley. Yeah, and no other. Because you reason. cheated. Yeah, definitely. You got thirty more minutes. Right. Right. I think, like, in some ways, this was, like, a brag, because it was, like, I finished math so fast. I finished so the math fast. 30 minutes. Everybody <laughs> yeah. else yeah. took 30 extra minutes for the yeah. math. I finished You're 30 like, minutes. You're, um, like, I have a confession. So. Um, I'm just, like, so good at math. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is an interesting trajectory, though, to, like, not be mm. as good at the English department, and then... Yeah. And then being comedy. Be, yeah, horrible, be a writer. Horrible. Wow. Horrible, yeah. horrible yeah. English and, and, and literature and reading comprehension and all. It was such a weak point. For mm. me, I was like an English nerd. I did okay at math, but I never liked it. it to me, it wasn't like, I mean, this is obviously you can't get creative. There's just the right answer. But I'd yeah. be like, that's it. And then I'm like, but what if? And so that's why I liked English. But I always like now I've come back around in a weird way doing comedy where I like math because like you can break down things structurally mm-hmm. to Comedy's people all through mathematics. math. Yeah. yeah, it really is. Well, I like, okay, I, I want to have follow-up questions because you – Obviously, like y- I cheated my way into college. What <laughs> more do you need to know? Because, oh, bad boy. Oh my god, the worst boy. Actually. People think. Yeah, you know, the fact think, that you still oh, remember a- this, like it means it took up a space in your brain for a while, right? Like, how guilty did you feel about not, it? Not at all. I oh, did, okay. I, you know, I did the right thing. <laughs> Berkeley needed me. Yeah, I, Berkeley yeah. would have been fucked without me. It was you were altruistic. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was doing it for them. Had you ever cheated before in school? Rarely, rarely did I ever need to cheat. Yeah, yeah. There was never a reason to cheat because I already had the answer. Right. But this was a situation where it's like, I need to cheat for the greater good. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm. It's so interesting because I feel like I, I remember times I cheated. I was also like generally like, I was like all the propaganda, you know, don't do drugs, don't cheat, whatever, like be good. I did it all. And to the point, but then I also wanted to be cool. I really wanted to be cool. Mm. So I would like let other people cheat off me. But um, in my mind, I had my own You were cheating accomplished. Yeah, uh, yeah accomplished. accomplished. Yeah, yeah. I had yeah. my own line. I was like, if this person's going to ask another Asian girl for the answers anyways, I might as well do it. Like, mm, but if a I terrible can, argument, by the but way. But if I'm going to be the yeah. one to stop them and help them learn, then yes, I would do that. But like yeah. generally speaking, these cool kids were like, hey. And I'm like, well, this isn't going to affect me. But I drew the line myself, if that makes sense. Like yeah. in my mind, I was still, quote unquote, breaking the rule. But I never did it for my own gain. Yeah. Well, socially, I did. You were also but. doing it for the greater good. So right. both, when you guys right. cheat or help people mm-hmm. cheat, you're just helping society. You really I guess. Are. See, I never cheated uh-huh. uh, ever. And I just would fail. And <laughs> That's also very noble. Behind. Yeah, I got left behind. We're down to our final four clips. Okay, this next clip, Lisa Curry. Fucking love this woman. She is so inspiring because she's just like unapologetically 
doing her thing, like crushing it, traveling the world. And I like how the full episode, if you haven't heard it, you should definitely listen to it because she talks about how she was basically like in the red, negative, like right before she landed her first big writing job. Um, And uh, she talks about how it actually all came together because she was doing her one-person show in Europe um and so you never know but I know comedians hate it when you say you never know I had an ex that literally would get mad at me and say stop saying you never know it's like okay fine I maybe I'm just trying to comfort myself um but I really like this episode because I talked to Lisa before I went on tour and listening back now after having finished the year gone on tour like you know released my film all this stuff I'm like oh yeah of course I could do it I sound like someone who knew I could do it but if you can't tell I'm always flying by the seat of my pants. And this is why I like to reflect because while I was talking to her, I was literally like, oh God, how am I going to do this? This is so scary. And when she talks about like crashing on couches and maxing out a credit card, let me tell you, I was like, fuck, I'm going to do that. And it's going to be scary and I'm not going to get past it. But here we are halfway past it. I'm still in it, still Uber driving. Still, you know, I got a comp- job working at a bus company. I did all these things. But I do feel like I'm actually happier and doing more things and being stronger with my friends um just like having more meaningful relationships and blah 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 I sound like a cult leader but um this conversation with Lisa really helped as a turning point because she talked about renting out her place for Airbnb and I did that and it's literally saved me and helped me pay my rent so enjoy this episode I mean enjoy this clip with Lisa Curry uh, which I call nothing fucking matters My first two years in my studio apartment, I think I was in, collectively, I think I was in my apartment for five months in two years because I was like, I went on the road. I lost my job. So I started to like, I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to go on the road. I didn't have, I wasn't making, I wasn't headlining clubs. Mm -hmm. I was splitting Mm -hmm. a show with two other comics where we're each doing 20 minutes. So I'm like, well, I'll sublet out my place. That's almost all of my overhead. Yeah. Um, And actually... The first, I want to say the first year I sublet it, my rent was a grand or eleven hundred, and I was subletting it through Airbnb for eighteen hundred a month. So it was so covering like almost all of my back. expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, what? And also, like, I, I feel like sometimes I'll start to get scared again because, like, you know, as you get older, you like get just become more cautious and then I'm like oh wait a second nothing fucking matters none of this matters <laughs> at all yeah and you know how to look out for yourself I think the important thing is to learn those lessons like I-, I had a hard time learning how to just like let myself skate close to empty mm-hmm. and it's like I'll panic before I'm even at empty you know and it's like the reality is like yeah. I'm getting anxious that I will have nothing but if I'm wasting the last bit of my like let's say I really run out of everything and have to move home if I waste the last month of my freedom um freaking out then i'm wasting it so I, exactly. it took me a while to train myself to be like hey like i'll take care of myself but until i'm at zero i really shouldn't be spending time like freaking out i could i could spend time like you know doing things that might help me get away from there but not like panicking yeah but. no i i uh i totally get that and if it's any comfort like granted i was panicked this whole time oh so i left um Sorry, I'm like jumping all over the place. But no, in no, is, April no, 2019, I had kept getting like really close to getting out of restaurant work. And I was finally like at the beginning of 2019, I'm like, I'm quitting in April. I'm never, I'm not doing this anymore. I fucking hate it. I can't do it. for. I don't care what happens. It, this just isn't going to be it. So there's this festival that I do in Wales every year. And so I booked I booked this like two month tour of Europe, I, which, by the way, start I started booking in January for May and June. It's f- f- so much work, but wow, worth yeah. it. So I was like over there for two months. I recorded my album and all this other I did all festivals and whatever shit. And then from there, I went to New York for two months. By the time I got to New York, and now here's another thing. When I travel, money isn't real. So I'm not like, (laughs) there's no such thing as like traveling on a budget for me. I'm like, yeah, I'll have a $200 steak. Who gives a shit? Whatever. I'm traveling. Uh, When am I going to be in Glasgow again? And it's like, realistically, Mm -hmm. I will be. But, you know. Uh. (laughs) But the, the, what do you call it? The foreign, the exchange rate is different because to get there is going to cost you more. So you might as well have the experience when you're there. Exactly. That's like, that's my whole thought where I'm like, well, I'm not going to get here and then be cheap and not experience yeah. everything. So I, by the time I got to New York, 
I like I was like out of money, <laughs> like really super, super out of money. And I was in so I was gone from L.A. for four months, still had my place sublet. I got back here in September, um, still had my place sublet. So I was staying with Nicole Amy Schreiber for a while, crashing in her mm-hmm. extra room. And when I got the offer for Jim Jeffrey's show, this is no exaggeration. I had six credit cards. First of all, again, place was sublet out. So I'm like not even paying rent. Uh-huh. Um, I had six credit cards that were completely maxed out. Oh like fully, God. like I couldn't put a dollar on them. Uh-huh. Uh, some of them were over. Uh, I owed a bunch of my friends money. Uh-huh. And I had less than $30 in the bank. Wow. I had like $26 or something and I was like, I, I don't know. Like at that point, I'm like, I, don't, I can't even apply for a restaurant job because I just need to win the lottery, you know? And it- Be afraid. What is a bitch in a miniskirt? A man in his feelings with bitterness. What is a woman that really hurt? A demon you better off killing her. What is a relative making repetitive narratives on how you did it first? That is a predator in reverse. All of your presidency with thirst. What is a neighborhood reputable? That is a snitch on a pedestal. What is a house with a better view? A family broken in variables. What is a rapper with jewelry? A way that I show my maturity. What if I call on security? That mean I'm calling on God for purity. I wanna get me a therapist. I can debate on my theories and sharing it. Whoa. Consolidate all my comparisons. Humble enough because time was imperative. Whoa. Started to feel like it's only one answer to everything. I don't know where it is. Whoa. Popping a bottle with clarity. Whoa. Is it my head or my arrogance? Whoa. Shaking and moving like what am I doing? I'm flipping my time through the Rolodex. Indulging myself in my life and my music. The word that I'm in is a codicec. The word that we in is just medicine. Okay, number eight. Oh, this, I died during this episode. Um, it was such a bummer that this episode came out with shit audio because of my poor equipment. I've fixed it. I'm sorry. I will always check it now. I know, I know, I know. I should definitely check it four years in. Um, but I was able to pick out a clip that wasn't too bad but also this was such a funny episode thankfully all the guests audio came out great this is sammy anzer's episode where he talks about being this hopeless romantic trying to win his ex back from doing a comedy set uh but really it totally goes a different direction than i thought um he basically admits to being a fuck boy and going oh yeah i learned and has this moment at the end where he really is like yeah yeah i fucked up and it is a fun conversation. Like, it's, it's like, literally, I get to talk to, like, you know, it's like I've dated guys like that. And so it was really cool to be able to talk as friends and kind of hear all the perspectives and, you know, just really kind of laugh about it now that we're all past it and are, you know, learn from our mistakes. Um, so enjoy this clip with Sammy Anzer. And then we get to the venue, right? And there's a woman causing a scene there. Like, you know, she's like this like super loud woman. She's like having an emotional outburst or whatever. Women and their emotions. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy (laughs) to deal with. But she goes like, oh my God, like look at that woman. And as I look and I turn, I forget that I have a hickey (gasps) on my neck right here. Oh my God. And she sees it. And she's like, Are you 12 years old? No. <laughs> she's like, What's that? Wow. And believe it or not, I totally forgot about it. <laughs> it was like three days before. And like, for, <laughs> for some reason, for some reason in my mind, I was like successfully able to compartmentalize like, This is that. And then this is the, the woman that I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I understand. I've seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall, you know. <laughs> um, no, but that is, th- yeah, wow. Well, that is big. Uh, that's that's a big, no, for sure. Um, <laughs> so. But what did you say? So I didn't know what to say besides, like, the truth. Uh-huh. And then. Which is good. Good on you. Yeah. And she's now the woman at the bar that everyone looks is looking at. And she's freaking oh out. Gosh. Rightfully so, right? Uh-huh. And I don't know what to do. And the show's about to start. Oh, my gosh. So she fucking storms out. And I'm like, <gasps> I got to do this show. Oh, no. And she's not even there? No. I go into the green room. Oh I meet gosh. the comedian, the big one who I sent uh-huh. the message. And the first thing he says, he goes, how'd the confession go? And this just happened to me. Oh. And I didn't know what to say again oh. besides the truth. And he goes, you did what? Oh, my God. And his Gosh. feature is a female comedian that I've never met before. And she picks up a bottle and she goes, you fucking idiot. And she throws it at me. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and like part of me was like, don't even move. Just let it hit you oh right in the face. Oh, my gosh. Wow. 
I bu- and I bombed. I bombed. Uh-huh. Of course. Wait, so what did you end up? Did you do this? Like, did you just do a different set? Yeah, I tried to pivot the set. I was just not emotionally there. Whoa. I just fucking tanked. Oh my god. I tanked. So you didn't go after her, is what I'm hearing as well. No, I did the show. <laughs> <laughs> We're going back in time. I'd like to see you try unpacking thoughts through tunnels in your mind. I fix you mushroom tea and cross the restless sea. Release yourself to escape reality. It doesn't phase you. I need a breakthrough. I only want what's right in front of okay, me. Okay, we're down to our final two clips. Number nine. I literally. I say this about every clip, but that's what I mean is that you can have so many favorites and there's enough love to go around. But um, truly, everything I say, I genuinely mean. This next clip is with Ethan Ang. I honestly, like, so honored to have been able to meet him and watch his work. Him and Justin, they made Therapy Dogs. Um, I believe it'll come out next year. Definitely watch it. Definitely look out for it. It's not, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Closest thing I can remember to it is, like, um... Uh, Tarnation when I watched that uh, but that was like decades ago but in that spirit sort of like you're making something without realizing you're making something and it becomes really iconic Um, that being said okay the clip you're about to hear is uh, from the interview with Ethan we talk about what drove him to make films sort of the like sort of you know despair and darkness that we all carry from high school or I guess some of us carry um, but how that sort of never goes away but how you can channel that into hopeful creative and meaningful relationships and work um, and I yeah I just I, I was so fascinated and impressed by his work and just such a strong vision I know I said it on the pod but I'm saying it again um, so I really enjoy this clip he expresses himself like in in ways that I'm like oh yeah yeah that all makes sense it's like but then when I think about it, I'm like I don't think I was able to express myself like that even recently you know it's like taking me so long to get to a point where I'm that self-aware but um I can only imagine like if he's doing that now at like 21 years old you know how much further the world is going to be if if um, everyone keeps trusting their instincts and making art in the next 20 50 years so enjoy this clip with Ethan Ang it's about being passionate about life i think you know it's you're young you 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 have destiny in the palm of your hands this is the time to I feel like you're you know trolling. confront everything <laughs> no no like, what the heck you're like reading from indiana jones like you no man i love indiana jones though that's like a huge actually i don't really think about indiana jones when i do dumb shit though um but yeah uh and I, I saw, you know, your um, your brother's films, and you know, it's, I I I think he 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 had a vision, you know. I I I think we really would have um, gone along if we were in the same class or something. We probably would have made therapy dogs together, to yeah. be honest. Um, but yeah, you know, his he, the way he uh, he points the camera at things, like you can just tell you know where the vision is it's you're right you know when you're a teenager there's like a secret wisdom and a Mm -hmm. curiosity but you know you're you're like you're in a young person's body you're Mm -hmm. you're gonna do some wild shit (laughs) well thank you for saying that about the film that it really does mean a lot and yeah I think um what I love so much about like universally no matter what your experience is obviously I have a very personal experience coming into the film but even if you know you just watched it with none of the same (laughs) trauma or whatever I think it it, what it does is it takes simple things right like very simple like you just want to get along with your friends or you get in a fight with your best friend and you really feel it too like it's like a you feel the love and anger it's like this just restless energy of like you showed this like truthful like you just show the feeling from beginning to end of like you get this impulse and it's probably not a good idea to see it through, but you have another friend there and you're like, we're just gonna ram into each other or whatever until we figure it out. And then it like, you just yeah, fight each uh, other. Because nothing matters at that age. <laughs> like it's honestly, it's like, 
this is like your last hurrah when you're 17, you know, that's how it feels like. It's like you can see the meteor of adulthood, you know, crashing into the atmosphere. And by the time you put on that graduation cap, you know, it's game over, everybody loses. Mm -hmm. So high school is really just like this. Um, yeah, no, everybody nobody. loses. Wow. Get paid, I'm out the door. Make money, I spend it one more. Get mine, looking so fine. Bad girls, we chillin' and wine. Get paid, I'm out the door. Make money, I spend it one more. Get mine, looking so fine. Tell them so don't waste my time. I saved this for last because. Well, it was one of the first ones I recorded. I, I believe I recorded it almost an entire year ago. I think this came out. Uh, oh no, I recorded it in the summer, but but it it uh it was it was in the bank for a while because it was a good one, but I didn't want to like release it in the middle of the summer since we were on hiatus. It's very excited for this clip. Um, you guys probably guessed it already. It's Greg Proops. Um, honestly, <laughs> what a highlight for me personally, but also um, really cool to talk to Greg, who's been such a monolith in comedy and also just been around for so long seen so many changes and been able to adapt and continue being true to himself and I really 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 appreciate what he had to say about how there's enough love to go around and the idea of like comedians sometimes being like don't do that joke because I have a joke about that and he's just like poo poo fuck that all it's not about competition it's about like you know opening the what he calls it opening the floor as opposed to like burning down the building and I fucking love that so much and just what an honor this man is inspiring and to hear from him talk about stuff that I think about all the time about comedy about progress about points of view and say it so eloquently and 100% be like oh shit like I agree with you is just so cool it's really cool so enjoy this clip from Greg Proops. When of course there isn't, there's an infinite amount of jokes. There's an infinite amount of points of view. Uh, when people say things like there's two sides to every story, it always makes me cry laughing <laughs> because there's a million sides yeah. to every story. If there was only two sides to every story, life would be so simple. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, I, I don't talk about it a lot or take credit for it a lot because I'm not that kind of person, but my wife's always saying you should sometimes because you need to let people know. And so I appreciate you saying that because I really do. And uh, there's a couple of other comics, uh, Anthony Jeselnik, I think, and a few other straight white guys that made an effort the last few years mm -hmm. to have women on their shows. So I, when I played in clubs, uh, mind you, I haven't played in the clubs since before the plague. Um, it's okay. We're not going to, you know, check that. It's fine. No, right. But even <laughs> no, during know, the you plague, know, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. you did a bunch of shows with me during the plague. Um, yeah. uh, I, I, I just wouldn't have all male anymore. And I had to make that decision and I had to tell my management and then they had to tell the clubs and clubs would still say to me, I swear to you in uh, big cities uh, wow. that shall remain nameless, San Francisco and Spokane uh -huh. <laughs> uh, would say to me, we can't find a woman. So is it okay if we have one man? Oh so there'd gosh. be one woman and another guy. And I'd be like, you can't find a woman comedian in this <laughs> giant market or you don't want to spend the money to bring one in from another market that's nearby, uh -huh. you know, like it's just it's like that. They can't, it's, it's wild because even from a, like, not from speaking on, um, you know, progress or representation, just from a, I feel like good producing comedy standpoint, it's good to have a lineup that has different points of views. Like it, it's even, if, you know, when I'm booking openers, unless I'm trying to really appeal to like, this is Asian night, which, you know, we, we have yeah. those. Um, I, I want to have different voices represented, you know, that doesn't mean like, I'm always like, oh, it has to be a straight white guy to open for me. But to yeah. me, it's about the diversity of voices. And it's good for you. If you're, there's like, uh, you know, dates in the audience, sometimes they're like, ah, what's comedy. And then there's, you know, they get to hear a woman's perspective, maybe now they're primed and they are like, oh, like, obviously your comedy is funny. So you don't need, for you, it's not about finding the opener for your material, but having a wide experience. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And you know, uh, my friend Will Durst said to me years ago, uh, he's a political comic. And I remember saying to him, I've got this political joke. Mind you, this was a long time ago. And it's the same topic as your political jokes. And he said, you're not burning the topic to the ground, you're opening the floor. Oh, now the audience oh. is thinking that way. And I thought that's a really generous way of looking at it. It's the way to look at it. 
you can't look at it the other way where like, oh, you know, because there are comics will say, don't do that uh, barbecue bit because I have a barbecue bit or, you know, whatever it is. And you're like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like hopefully it's original enough that you have different, it's like a conversation. You've got different jokes, similar yeah. topics. Yeah. I have comics say to me, I have this bit that's similar to your bit. Do you not want me to do it? And I'll go, honey, do whatever you like, because first of all, I'm not, I'm reasonably confident that I'm going to be funny, <laughs> but whether or not you burn my topic to the ground, uh, you know, but I, yeah, I, I just don't perceive it as finite at all. I love the, um, the idea of opening the floor because my, the first thing I thought was the floor for some people is the ceiling. So it's yeah. not just the idea that it's, you know, you're kind of like creating more space and it's like, who doesn't love a basement party? Sometimes, <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes I right. like a rooftop pool. Sometimes I like a bass, a basement right, right. rock band. So it's like, I want to go up and down. Thank you so much for listening to You Can Tell Me Anything. That was 2022. Love you all so much. Have a happy, happy freaking new year. Be safe out there. I just want to thank the Hoo Ha Ha podcast team. Ashley McAtee, Audrey Pavar, Maggie Heath Austin, Katia Saz, Stephanie Bignot. Theme song, as always, was written by Cody Johnston. Outro music. This is the Holiday Potato song. Um, I had to include it. It's from a Nick Jr. holiday special I wrote. I love it so much. You can actually listen to the song on Spotify. It's real bopping, real fun. Um, speaking of music, all the songs you heard on this podcast, um, you know, my podcast is not big enough to get sued, but these are clips that I really enjoy songs from this year, um, that I discovered this year, um, had fun replaying, whatever. In order, uh, Beach House by Carly Rae Jepsen, then we had Bubblegum by Essel, Gone Girl, SZA, W-I-T-C-H, a.k.a. Woman in Total Control of Herself by Devon Cole. Can You Feel a Beat by Lisa Lisa, good classic. Nueva York, Bad Gal, United in Grief, Kendrick Lamar. How Do I Make You Love Me by The Weeknd. And, um, of course, we had Holiday Potatoes. All right. Goodbye.